share a few thoughts. Just to be honest with you, I'm going to totally deviate from any kind of notes or thoughts that I'd kind of originally planned. But I just feel, in the sense of what we're um, kind of what we're experiencing this morning, I feel like we want to. I just want to press in a little bit further, if, that, if that's okay. Um, if you've got your Bibles with you, why don't you turn to Acts chapter 19? Acts chapter 19. We're currently going through a series on the book of Acts. And um, I just want to warn you, today's preach is going to come with a bit of a health warning. <laughs> I, I must admit, I, I think I've probably been more challenged preparing for this um, than I have with any of the other kind of messages that I've done in the past. Um, so I, do, I just want to give it a bit of time and then I want to give it. Verses 11 to 20. I'm just going to, we're just going to quickly read it on a prayer and then we're just going to get stuck into a few things that uh, just on, I think are so relevant to what it is that we're kind of experiencing what we're doing uh, today. It says this, And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick. And their diseases left them, and the evil spirits came out of them. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by the name Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this. But the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I recognize, but who are you? And the man in whom the evil spirit leapt on them, mastered all of them and overpowered them, so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. That was a sight, eh? And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, and fear fell upon them, and the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. Also, many of those who were now believers came confessing and divulging their practices, and a number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them and found it came to 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. Lord God, I just pray in these next 15, 20 minutes, would you do something in our hearts? Lord, I do pray, Lord, we're, we're so hungry for a touch of you. Not, not for the sake of the experience, but Lord, we're just so, we're so in need of you. That's what we're in need of. So Lord, I pray that as I speak, would you do something to our hearts? And I pray, would you bring freedom in this place today in Jesus' name? Amen. Amen. What an amazing thing for these guys to have experienced, to see these things and experience these uh, things. And I'd... There's lots of things that we could pick out of this scripture, but I don't want to overlook the reality of one world and two realms, which is something that we clearly see in this passage. So everyone 
everyone is in agreement, actually, all around the world. It doesn't matter where you go. It doesn't matter what uh, kind of country you go to or people group that you speak to. Everyone is in agreement that there is a physical world, that there is a natural uh, world, something that we can actually have five senses to navigate around so we can taste, we can experience, we can feel, we can touch, we can see things. But the... Uh, the Western culture, sadly, actually, is probably denied or certainly tries to deny the reality of a spiritual realm. Something that the, that the Bible talks a lot about. All science, actually, that's just one example, tries to disprove the unquantifiable, if that makes sense. Anything that's unable to be measured or replicated in some way. And it's not actually only religion or God, actually, just any spiritual experience that doesn't relate or fit in with a scientific framework is often an anomaly or at best coincidence. But the Bible, and in in particularly Paul, actually, the guy that we're reading about um, at the moment, some of the epistles that he writes, he he has a very different perspective on the world and what is going on around us. And the reality is, even Christians, actually, you might be in here and you might assume that we've got the, the natural world over here, and then there's this kind of spiritual world where Christ dwells. He's risen on the, seated on the right hand of the throne. And one day when we die, we'll, we'll, almost, we'll go from this natural world and there'll be no more sickness and no more pain. And, and we'll be with Jesus forever and it'll be absolutely wonderful. And many of that is absolutely right. It's absolutely true. But actually what, what Paul says in the Bible, what the Bible teaches, actually these two kingdoms, these two realms are actually overlapping right now. In fact, the Bible says that if you're a Christian, you are at the moment seated in heavenly places. Which means it's not just something that will come, actually it's something that is happening right now. There's there's these two kingdoms, there's this natural, the things that we'll go about and do and eat and see and experience today in our physical bodies. But right now, there is a spiritual realm all around us. And we are part of that spiritual realm. It says in the Bible that we are adopted as sons and daughters. If you know Jesus, you are part of that heavenly realm active right now in this moment. So both the natural realm and the spiritual realm are interlinked. And the reason I think this this message is so key for us today is because when we start doing work with the enemy and when we start uh, proclaiming the name of Jesus, we can do that in the natural with with our words and our voices. But actually what we're doing is something in the spiritual realm which our physical eyes can't see. And we really do need to be aware, fully aware of both these realms. We need to be aware of what is happening in the spiritual. As Christians, we're told to believe and live according to the reality of the spiritual realm where we worship in spirit and in truth. Believe in actually a father and a Holy Ghost that is spirit. Do battles with demons, seek help from angels and command blessings and break curses all within the realm of the spiritual realm. These are all things that we read about and that we need to do. And we're not so, so much aware of this in Britain because it's not so in our face. I've had the privilege for the last three years of going to India. And when I've gone to India, one thing I'll say about India when you go there, they are so open spiritually. And they're not just open spiritually to things like the Bible when you talk to them. They're, they're open spiritually to anything and everything. And they've opened doors to a whole load of things in the spirit, both helpful and very unhelpful. So when you go there, I don't think I've been in a meeting in India where things haven't been manifesting and things haven't been happening in the demonic and those kind of things. It's, look, don't be fooled. It's not that it's not happening here. It's not that that's just something in India. Actually, today is a day of liberty. Today is a day of jubilee because 
There is something in the heavenly realm that is going to be breaking out today, I think. There is something in the spiritual realm that is happening at the moment. And you know what? It's why God gives us the gifts of prophecy. It's why God gives us the gifts of knowledge. And, all, and actually the gift of discernment is so that we can discern and know what is happening in the spiritual realm. So where our eyes don't see, actually God speaks to us and lets us know what is happening, what is going on in the spiritual realm. What is it that we can taste? What is it that we need to deal with? So we value prophecy and we value those things in the church because it is completely essential to live in a Christian life. It's completely essential. It's just interesting that actually, just as an illustration, you know, the, the government actually probably spend as much money, if not more, on ambassadors, spies, intelligence, reconnaissance, radar systems, as it does on bombs, on bullets and soldiers and those kind of things. Why? Because if you don't know what the enemy are doing, you don't know how to fight it. If you don't know what the enemy are doing, if you don't know where they are, if you don't know what their plans are, then you're not entirely sure how to battle it and how to fight it. And God God has given us these gifts so that we can actually understand and know what it is that is happening in the spiritual realm. And actually we're encouraging the Bible to wage war and to deal with it. We've been given the authority to act and to do something about it. So we live in both realms, in the natural and we live in the realm of the spiritual, but we do it empowered by the Holy Spirit, praise God. We're not left to do it on our own, but we do it with the power of the Holy Spirit. God has provided everything we need to live in both realms. We cannot live in total obedience without the infilling and the empowering of God's Spirit. That's what we've just been doing there, just for a moment, just saying, God, fill us afresh with the Holy Spirit. We're so dependent on you because we cannot wage war. We cannot do battle in the heavenly realms without the Holy Spirit. Now, Paul understands one world, two realms. He understands. He's not surprised, actually, with some of the miracles and the things that are going on. He's, he's not surprised that God of the universe is able to do those things, both in the spiritual, breaking through into the natural. It's, it, was, it made me giggle because the... In, in, the, in, the, in the Gospels, you hear stories about people saying, wow, Jesus has come to town. And people gather in crowds and different things thinking, wow, Jesus is coming to town. With Paul, he doesn't go to the town. He seems to send a dirty handkerchief. But it does the trick. You know, these kind of, what he says in the Bible, just extraordinary miracles of different things that are going on. And it's evidence of a spiritual realm breaking into the natural. How about you? What about you? Do you exercise your spiritual muscles like you do your physical muscles? Do you exercise those gifts? Do you exercise the ability to think and look and see into the spiritual realm like God has equipped us to? And do you know what? Jesus is above it all. Jesus is above it all. It says in the Bible he's been given the name above every name. And every authority, every power, every dominion. You know, one day, every tongue, every knee will bow and say, Jesus is the king above all kings and the Lord above all lords. We're not fighting an equal fight here. God, the Holy Spirit equips us and we've been given the authority of the risen Lord Jesus to do battle for him. We're in a kingdom that is ruled by a king of all dominion, rulers, powers and authority. He has victory. He will have the ultimate victory. Praise God. Ephesians 2 says this. If I can find it. And I read it this morning. I love this. It says this. God. Ephesians 1. 
God raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all and is in all. You know, Christ is the head of the church. And we have Christ. We are ambassadors of Christ with the authority and the power of Christ in our lives. It's so good. So when we look at this story with Paul and these guys, which we'll look at now, we've got to understand that there are two realms. There's the physical, there's the natural realm and the spiritual realm. And we can clearly see those interweaving together. So verse 13 says this. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Seven sons of the Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this. But the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know and Paul I recognize, but who are you? And the man in whom was the evil spirit leapt on them, mastered them all, all of them, and overpowered them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. Okay, so the key question in this text, I think, is what the, Holy, what the uh, evil spirit says, which is, but who are you? That's the key question, but who are you? Jesus I know, Paul I recognise, but who are you? So what we have here is Paul on the one hand, full of the Holy Spirit, child of God, doing extraordinary miracles that amaze everyone, and then we have these seven guys, Seven people that have witnessed what Paul does and think, wow, that is absolutely amazing what he's doing. And what they try to do is adopt some of the things that Paul does. They try and take the formula of what Paul do, um, does along with their own kind of magic arts and their own ways of doing exorcism, all the things that they're used to doing, all the different practices that they have. And what do they say? I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. So not on their own merit, not on a relationship that they've got, but actually, well, based on what Paul does. We are you on, on, the, on the Jesus that Paul proclaims. So these aren't Christians. They don't have any relationship with Jesus. They just see the works that Paul is doing and want a piece of it. Miss the God behind the power and just seek after the power itself. And now, interestingly, what I find is that the Spirit doesn't ask them, well, what can you do then? Come and show us what power you've got. What powers do you have? Give it your best shot. He simply asks, well, who are you? And that's a really telling question. Who are you? Who are you? Because whenever we talk about the spiritual realm, it's never a question of power. It's always a question of position. Who are you? Not what are you able to do? Not what experience have you got? Not how many other demons have you cast out? The question is, who are you? Where are you positioned? On whose authority are you claiming to do these things? Don't be fooled into thinking the evil spirit doesn't know the answer. All right, it's a rhetorical question. But who are you? He's telling them, you're not coming with any sense of authority. We do not and we cannot fight power with power. And you know what? It is not our place to do that. That's Christ's place. He stands. He's seated in all authority and all power. We do not and we cannot fight power for power. We tackle power with this. We tackle power with authority. That's what we tackle power with. They're two very different things. 
Let me just read you a definition. The term authority is often used interchangeably with power. However, their meanings differ. While power is defined as the ability to influence someone to do something that he or she would not have done, authority refers to the claim of legitimacy, the justification and right to exercise that power. Power without authority is just counterfeit. I just, it's like, actually, around the back, just because they caught our eye, we've got two police officers in the back of the building. Two police officers. And the reality is, if you put us in a ring, I'll probably win. <laughs> oh, sorry, I shouldn't joke. <laughs> hey, listen, they don't fight power with power. They fight with authority. They fight with authority. Because when they get face-to-face with someone that isn't living according to the, the law... They actually come as someone who has a whole backing of a whole nation. Actually, they come before queen and country and they say, actually, we collectively are saying you cannot do this. They come with an authority, not just in their own power and their own skills and their own might and the way that she can wave her baton or the way she can spray her spray. Actually, she comes with an authority which far supersedes any skill or any muscle power that she has. She comes with an authority. And as Christians, we don't fight power with power, trying to outmuscle what we can't outmuscle. We stand firm in the authority of the one who has all power and authority. That's what we do. Authority and power stems from our adoption as sons and daughters. 1 John 3 says this, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. What is the biggest difference between these seven sons of Sceva, these guys that try and adopt what Paul does, and Paul himself? What is the biggest difference? The biggest difference is that Paul is a son of the living God. It's the single biggest difference. And you know what? When you have an inheritance, when you become a son of someone, you carry their name. So my daughters, Bethan and Maya, they have my surname. She's Bethan Cousins. She's Maya Cousins. They carry my name. Do you know what? When you become adopted as a son or a daughter, you carry Christ's name. You carry with it that, that name, the authority of Jesus. That's what you're doing. Paul's ability to perform the supernatural was based on the authority held in adoption. He carries Christ's name. And let me just quickly say, because so many people believe that actually if you just say the words Jesus Christ, if you just in Jesus' name, as though it's some kind of formula, the reality is it doesn't work like that. You can go out in the world and you'll have a whole load of people that will use the name Jesus Christ and blaspheme and say it in all different manners of ways. The power comes in your position when you're hidden in Christ. When you come with the name of Jesus, you come in a weight that no one else can come because you are named in him. So let me ask you a question. Who are you? But who are you? I know you worship. I know you pray. I know you go to church. You may have even healed a few people or cast out a few demons. But who are you? But who are you? That's the question. Where are you positioned? Who's your daddy? Who are you? And you know what? Only you can develop your own history with God. 
You can't do that on anyone else's. If you come here and your spouse has been coming a long time, you can't come in on, on the merit of her or him. Or if you're a youth or a child in here today, you can't just come in on the merit of your parents and their faith. At some point, you've got to make your own decision to build your own history with God and make a name for yourself with him. Become a son or a daughter. It's like me giving you one of my friends and just saying, can you just love them and, and be with them like you are with me? And you say, well, I just don't really know them. I know, but it's fine because they do some of the things we do. They've got the same hobbies as us. It'll be great. Yeah, but I don't really know them. And, by, and Jesus actually uses that same illustration. He says, you know, there'll be people that come and say, oh, but didn't I cast out people in your name? And didn't I do this that, and the other? And Jesus says, well, away from me. I never knew you. Because Jesus' question is, but who are you? Interestingly, actually, Jesus' question is the same as the evil spirit. It all comes down to position. Jesus says, are you hidden in me? And the evil spirit says, well, are you hidden in Christ? Relationship is the most important thing. And you know, we don't need to ask God for his authority. Actually, as children of the living God, we actually carry and hold his authority already. So we don't need to plead with God and say, God, give us your authority in this situation. No, you carry the authority of God and you can pronounce the truth of God in whatever situation you find yourself. It's almost as though, I don't know whether as kids you ever use the, um, uh, you maybe have, I've got an older brother and we might be having a bit of an argument or have a bit of a disagreement. I knew that I could always win the argument if I said, yeah, but dad said. <laughs> it's a winner, instant winner. Oh, but dad said. Oh, where do you go from there? Do you know what? You have the same authority as that. You walk in a situation and you say, but dad said. But dad said. And you can proclaim truth in a situation because dad said. The other thing I think we notice from Paul in this, in this whole thing, if you look at the back story of what Paul believes and what he knows, so you can read some of the stories and the things that Paul wrote about what he believed. He talks a lot about rest. He, he talks a lot about knowing who you are in Christ and being firm on the foundation of who you are in Christ. And I think it's really important that when we, when we talk about authority, when we talk about power, when we talk about these realms of the spiritual realm and the things that we need to do, it, we need to know that it comes out of a place of rest. Jesus said, it is finished. We don't need to fight anymore to continue to do the work. Actually, we just need to rest in him. And when we rest in him, and when we have an understanding of our identity in Christ, we have an understanding of our authority, and we work out of that authority based on us being rested in him. We don't, we don't need to go out and fight and try and push and try and, oh, I've just got it. Actually, all we need to do is rest in who we are in Christ, knowing that he has already done it. And we'll have certain breakthroughs in this life and there'll be certain things that actually we, we just know at the end of the day, Jesus will have it all. We know that. But our encouragement and, and, and Jesus' encouragement is on, on earth as it is in heaven. Our cry is say, Jesus, whatever values, whatever things there are in heaven, we say we want to bring some of that into earth right now. With the power invested in us through the authority of Jesus don't let the enemy rob you of your peace and don't let the enemy rob you of your identity because that would be one of the devil's, that would be one of the enemy's top scheme. If they can lose your identity, then they've won. Don't let the enemy rob you of your identity. You're a son and it's with that sonship or that daughtership that you have full authority. Full authority. 
So that's the biggest difference between these seven guys that try and do something in the name of Jesus and then you have someone like Paul who actually is living in Christ, actually a son of the living God. He stands with real true authority. Verse 17, what does it say? And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, and fear fell upon them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. Also, many of those who are now believers came confessing and divulging their practices, and a number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them and found them, it came to be 50,000 pieces of silver. Guys, we're talking millions in our, in our currency, all right? It's not like a month's paycheck, we're talking millions. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. What happens when people experience authentic power? Do you, think, do you know what it does? It, it, it highlights the counterfeit. It highlights the counterfeit. Authentic power. People who had experienced genuine power before worked magic arts, used spells and curses. When they experienced the power of Christ working through Paul, they knew the difference. They knew the difference. They knew that Paul came with with an authenticity and he came with uh, an authority which was different to what they could magic up with their spells. What they could do, what they have practiced over years probably, and their money and the time and the investment, their job, their lifestyle, everything has gone into something which when a guy sends a dirty handkerchief, somehow it fades into insignificance. Because there's something of the power of God which undoes everything that they do. Paul didn't have to do any great formulas or rely on trickery. Authentic power. Do you know what? That when we come to uh, pray and when we come to do business with God, we don't come under a formula that you come to know. You work out of a father that you've come to know. It's not, let's, let's not get in the habit of just thinking, man, if only I say these words in my prayer. I watched, I watched a video a few weeks ago of someone who um, is kind of just going on the streets and just praying for people. And I was kind of noticed that actually after I saw him pray for three or four people, actually he didn't really pray at all. He just thanked Jesus for healing them. He didn't even say Jesus' name. He just looked at the guy and said, you know, God loves you so much. And he, get, he got down, just put his hand on his feet and just said, oh, thank you. Thank you. And this guy's leg grew. And I just thought, that's kind of out of a framework that I understand of like, you've got to say Jesus' name. Actually, no, he comes with Jesus' name. He is Jesus' name. He's got Jesus' name. He comes and he declares God's promises and he has the very authenticity, the very, uh, he has the um, authority of Christ and what he's doing. And we carry that. Don't feel that you've got to somehow come up with a particular form. We've got to stand in a particular way. You've got to do particular things in order for God to listen or God to do something. God's promise has already been poured out. God's instructions, God's, uh, God's instructions for us to be a blessing to those around us has already been poured out. We just need to have the boldness to do it. So when these people come and they see what Paul is doing, what does it lead to? Actually, what it leads to is repentance. What it leads to is a change. Actually, it says that many, many people became Christians. The word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. Do you know what? When you stand with the authority of Jesus' name, things change. And you know what? We really shouldn't be surprised by that. I think sometimes my expectation is just far too little. So 
Sometimes I, I think maybe I'll, I'll pray or I'll, I'll kind of pronounce healing in something. And crumbs. when it happens, I'm surprised. I, it almost, I'm too surprised to even take it a step further and see whether they want to respond to Jesus and give their life to him. We shouldn't be surprised by God when he's doing things. We shouldn't be surprised. We should be expectant for God to do amazing things. Even in this place now, in the next 15, 20 minutes, we should be expectant for God to come and break in and do stuff because he's alive. And because we carry the very authority of him. Let me just spend just two minutes just talking on repentance because this might be one of the areas actually we need to respond to today. Why is it that God was able to do amazing things through Paul? Do you know what? It's because he was a repentant guy. Paul did so many things and he tried to do so many things on his own, but he came down to knowing that he had to turn away from the way that he was living and he had to be completely reliant on God for power. Paul was a repentant man who therefore had to close personal relationship, close personal relationship with Jesus. That the sons of Sceva were treating Jesus' name like a magic spell. There was no relationship there. But for Paul, he had a heart of repentance. Do you know Jesus personally? Because, you know, God is so much more concerned about your heart than he is on how many people you've managed to set free. He's, he's much more interested in your heart than how many people have been healed by your hands, actually. He wants to know that your heart is right before him. So repentance is turning away from the sinful thoughts and behaviour. It starts with a conscious choice and change our thinking, and that then flows into action. For these guys, it meant actually they were going to burn and, and get rid of actually a whole life, uh, a lifestyle. Actually, a whole life invested into doing this stuff, which now when they see is wrong, they turn 180 degrees and they even burn it at such great cost. If you want authenticity, if you want true sonship and daughtership, it is going to come at a cost. And we don't always like talking about it. We love saying all the different benefits of being in Christ. But the reality is, is that we're going to have to die to stuff if we're going to live a life for him. And the people of Ephesus learned the need for repentance when they saw what happened. They took action to help them repent. And you know, repentance isn't just waiting until you feel like doing it. I heard this, I heard this great quote about forgiveness, but I think it works exactly the same for repentance. Uh, it's R.T. Kendall. He says this, Forgiveness is a crisis of the will. If you wait until you feel like doing it, you probably never will. Do you know what? Repentance is exactly the same. Repentance is a crisis of the will. If you wait until you feel like doing it, do you know what? Your sinful nature, your flesh, those fleshy desires, you probably never will. Today, for some of you, would be an opportunity to say, man, the, the power, all the different things that I've invested my life in, now I've experienced something of God, and it requires me to do 180 degrees and burn what was of my life at a great cost, but knowing that actually what I'm going to benefit in Christ is so much greater. So much greater. Repentance should be radical. It's going to cost. You know, people around them would have known these guys and they would have known what they were able to do. They would have known their lifestyle. They would have thought they were completely mad. But it was worth it. They knew that, it, that if they want to follow Jesus, they had to be prepared to make radical steps of repentance. There's kind of a few thoughts on that passage. The reality is 
that there is a natural kingdom, but there's also a spiritual realm. And we have the ability as sons and daughters of the living God to carry his authority and make changes in that realm. And do you know, we have, the, we have we've been commissioned to do that. Let me tell you, if you don't do it, no one else will. If you don't do it, if we don't do this, then no one else will. We're the only people on the planet Earth that have been commissioned by God to carry his name and his authority and bring release and for, to the captives and to bring healing for those that are sick and to proclaim the good news of Jesus that can restore people back to a life of God and have eternity with him. We are the only people that are able to do that. Science, religion, technology, the news, politics, none of that is going to change the hearts of men and women for Jesus. Only the good news is going to do that. Why don't we stand? Why don't we maybe have the band up? I feel in this moment... Often when we talk about spiritual realm, when we talk about the spiritual things, sometimes things start manifesting. Sometimes things start happening. And, and I just want to tell you, if that, if that does happen, it's, that's absolutely fine. We stand secure knowing that Jesus is the King above all kings and the Lord above all lords. Remember how I started. No works of the enemy, no schemes of man... It will ever pluck us from his hands. We are secure in him. Yesterday, today, forever. If, you've been coming, if, you, if you're a Christian, his love for you is unfailing, unfading. So what we want to do in this moment for these next 10 minutes, I just want to, we just want to pray, we're going to worship, we're going to extol Jesus' name just like they did. And I think for some of you, there may be repentance. For some of you, just while I've been speaking, there'll be particular things that have come to mind just saying, I know that that is counterfeit to authentic power. I know that authenticity is, is not in that area of my life. And today will be a good opportunity for you to turn around and make an active choice to say, Jesus, I'm not going to do that any longer. And for some of you, that may cost. Some of you, that may cost you money. It might be like burning the books. I'm not going back. So one of the reasons they did that is because they weren't going to go back to their old life. They made sure it wasn't a possibility. Right? They didn't put them on the back shelves just to gather dust, just in case this Jesus thing didn't work. I've got a backup plan. Repentance isn't about backup plans. It's about saying, no, I'm going to burn all bridges to my past life. And I'm going to put my faith in Jesus. So for some of you, it might be repentance. For some of you, I feel it might actually be this whole thing about, but who are you? You've done all the stuff, you've experienced all the things, but actually the question when someone says, but who are you? You say, actually, I'm not quite sure whether there's much of a relationship there with Jesus. This is an opportunity for you to say, Jesus, I want to recommit my life to you. Actually, it's, I want the things of the kingdom, but only because the king is there. So you might want to do repentance. You might also just want to realign yourself with God and just say, Jesus, I love you and you're my first love. So we're just going to sing a song and this is an opportunity for you to do business with God. And then at the end of the meeting, we're going to have an opportunity to pray. There'll be a ministry team. We'll be able to lay hands and pray for people. If there are particular things that you feel that have strongholds in your life, we'd love to pray. Right? It's a day of Jubilee. All right? If there are people here that are sick, we'd love to pray. All right? Just to let you know, today's no special day. Every day is a day of Jubilee with Christ. Just in case you go out and think, well, better get it done today. But do get it done today. Don't leave. But you know what I mean. All right? So let's worship. Let's declare his name. All right? The risen Jesus who is above all things. 
And then we're just going to do some battling with God, okay? Right, let's do that now.